0: Good morning. You guys sound great. And what a way to kick off the morning with a couple of baptisms. Isn't that awesome? Man, that's, that's, we want to celebrate that. That is, that is awesome. Uh, we also want to, uh, I want to just start off, just what a powerful time of worship we just had. And I just want to start off with prayer before we dig into the Word, okay? Father, we just come before you this morning. And we have lifted up our voices to you and uh, saying about just how awesome and mighty and powerful and worthy you are. And God, as I sit there and as I sing the words of those songs and as we just uh, lift our voices to you, God, I think about my own life and just how I am so... Grateful for your, your grace and your mercy and your, uh, your great love for us. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the way that you pursue after us. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that comes and lives in us. And we just pray, Father, that you will just fill this place with your spirit. God, that as we dive into your word, that you will help us to see ourselves for who we are in light of who Jesus is and, and what he has done for us, and that we will see our need for him. Father, just give us that hunger and that desire. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So how many of you have heard the old proverb that says it takes a village to raise a child? Many of you, most everybody here, right? The idea is, is that a child has the best ability to become a healthy adult if the entire community takes an active role in contributing to the bringing up of that child, right? And so sometimes as parents, you just, you just need help, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes you just need advice, you need wisdom, sometimes you just need a break. Amen? <laughs> all the time, right? No, sometimes you just need a break, and, and, and this is one of the principles that we try to teach here at Chester Christian Church with our parents, and that is something that, that you're going to be hearing more of in the next couple of weeks uh, as we get ready for child dedication and all that good stuff, and that is the idea of widening the circle right? Widening the circle, right? Putting a community around your kids' lives. While it is true that you, the parent, you are the primary influencer of your children, the reality is that they need other like-minded adults that are going to be speaking into your child's life, saying the same things that you are saying. For, amen, right? For, for instance, how many times have you, the parent, tried to teach your kids something and you've you've told them over and and over, and over, and over, and over again, right? Like a bazillion times, and it just, it just doesn't seem to sink in, right? But, but if another adult says the exact same thing to your kid, it's like the heavens opened up, and it's like, man, it's the first time they ever heard this, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So so I'll give you an example, right? So Jude, our oldest, when he first started getting glasses, he, uh, he was like three or so years old, four years old maybe, and he was in preschool, and he had this bad habit of like he would look over his glasses. He wouldn't look through the lens. And we're like, dude, this is not going to help your eyes if you keep looking over the glasses. And he just, we kept telling him and telling him. He just kept doing it and doing it. So Robin, my wife, uh, sent a note to school to Mrs. Woods and, uh, because he loved Mrs. Woods. And she, he, she, she, Robin said, would you please tell Jude to stop looking over his glasses and look through the lenses. She did, and he came home, and guess what happened? Mom, mom, you guess, you're never going to believe what Mrs. Wood said. She said for me to look through the lens, right? It was like like he'd never heard this thing before, right? And, and here's the point, right? While, while you, the parent, are the primary influencer in your child's life, these other adults that you have surrounded your children with are helping them to grow and to mature, and to the adults that they need to be to prepare them for life, right? To prepare them to enter into society. Now, that same concept is true for us as Christians. And that's what this series that we are in is about, this this Grow series. It's about growing in our faith so that we can uh, make much of Jesus. That's our purpose here. That's what we want to do is we want to make much of Jesus and all that we do, and so we need to grow in that. Uh, because what's interesting is that the Bible refers to a new Christian. Uh, they refer to, to somebody who has just put their faith and trust in Jesus, right? So Aaron and Olivia just put their faith and trust in Jesus, right? They've done that. Uh, and, and so the Bible refers to them as a babe in Christ, an infant in Christ. They are a new creation, it says. And that's a beautiful thing. And so we said last week that, that when we do that, when we put our faith and, and, and trust in Jesus, we have been fully justified, right? We have been completely accepted by God through Jesus Christ, right? So, so, so Jesus came to this earth in the flesh. He lived a life that we could not live. He, he died the death that we should have died. He obeyed the law perfectly, And because of that, he became a sacrifice for our sins. He voluntarily laid down his life for us so that whoever believes, whoever puts their faith and trust in him will be saved. And so the moment that you believe, the moment you put your trust and faith in him, you are justified, right? So that moment that they did that, they're justified in God's eyes, just as if they had never done it, right? So their sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. They're justified. But that's not the end, right? Because last week, we talked about their, this idea that the massive change now has to happen in our lives. And that massive change, that, that process of change where we grow, the Bible calls sanctification. Sanctification. So, So where justification happens in a moment, right? It happens like that. Sanctification is a lifelong process. Right? There's no silver bullet for sanctification. Right? It's not like you can't you just try to... It's, it's a lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And that is what our desire for you here at Chester Christian Church is. And so one of the ways that we grow in our faith is we grow together in community. Right? There is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Right? Because just as the old proverb says, it takes a village to raise a kid. The same is true with us. It takes a community to grow in our faith. That's why we focus on getting you connected into small groups. We have small groups here at Chester Christian Church, and we feel that that is one of the best ways for you to grow and and, and be discipled, is to be a part of a small group. Because in a small group, you are in the Word together, and you're sharing uh, life together, and you're 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 sharing, um, you know, just things. You're praying for each other. You're encouraging one another, right? You're you're carrying each other's burdens, and that's what small group is about. It's about community that is helping you grow together, right? That's that's the process. And so for us, man, that process is is you know we we invite you to come to Connect Class, right? So so that that's tonight. That's at our house. And Connect Class is where you're going to learn about the church. And, and you're going to learn about what we believe, and this is, this is who we are, and this is what we're about. And then from there, man, we encourage you to, to be in a small group, because in a small group, that's where you're going to grow. We offer C3 discipleship classes periodically throughout the year, and we encourage you to participate in that, because that's, that's how you're going to get deeper into the Word of God and study and learn how to study for yourself. And then we invite you to, to use the gift that God has given you to serve, and those are the ways that you're going to grow. The writer of Hebrews says it this way, and it's going to be on the screen for you. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. He says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I love that because he says stir one another, right? Have you ever been cooking uh, like meat sauce or something and you, what do you got to continually do? You got to continually stir it because if you don't, what's going to happen? It's going to stick, right? It's going to kind of burn up against the side of the pot. Yeah. You know? And so the idea is, is don't, don't become stagnant, right? Don't, don't just become stuck, but let's stir one another on. Let's encourage each other. And that's how we do that. We got to live in community, and so uh, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture this morning uh, from the Gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to, to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, Matthew, Mark. Mark is the second book of the New Testament. The Scriptures are going to be on the screen for you if you don't have a Bible. And actually, uh, I wasn't planning on using this text, uh, but I, uh, as I was studying for this sermon, I was, happened to be reading through um, a John Ortberg book. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He's an author and a preacher and speaker. And uh, the book was Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. You guys ever read that book before? <laughs> it's actually a really good book. Um, but he actually he actually referenced uh, and used this passage, Mark 2. And I was like, I, I like that passage. And so um, I, I decided to go with Mark chapter 2 and use that as well. So Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. 1 through 12 is where we're going to be. I'm reading from the ESV. And this is what it says. When he had returned, when he, Jesus, had returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And then it closes out by saying that uh, he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying we never saw anything like this. What, what, an, what an awesome story there. And I want you to, to imagine with me for a second what this man, this, this paralytic man's life would have been like up to this point. Now, we don't know how old this guy is. The scripture doesn't give that information. We don't know how long he's been paralyzed. Maybe he's been paralyzed uh, since birth, as long as he can remember, right? Uh, so, so for as long as he can remember, he's needed someone to feed him. He's needed someone to clothe him. Uh, he's needed someone to just constantly move him around on his bed so that he doesn't get bed sores. Uh, he's, he's constantly, and just imagine the humiliation for this guy, right? Because he's always needed somebody to clean himself up when he soils himself, right? This guy has never known what independence has felt like. More than likely, this guy, because of his condition, he would have been a beggar, and he would have been begging on the side of the street. That's how he would have uh, earned a living or how he could have made money, uh, he, he probably has no influence. He, he probably doesn't have a future to look forward to. And then in Jesus' day, the common assumption was that if people were in that type of condition, that something had happened in this person's life, whether it be he sinned, and so this is why you know, he is paralyzed, or maybe his parents had sinned. I don't know if you remember, if you're familiar with the story in John 9 of the blind man. That was the question they asked Jesus, who sinned? this man or his parents. And so that was a common assumption back in Jesus' day. And so you've got people that are constantly staring at this guy. He is begging, and he is paralyzed, and he's in bad shape. And so the only thing that this guy really seems to have going for him is that he is in an absolutely killer small group, right? right? I mean, seriously, right? Think about this. He has four friends. And listen, not just not just four friends, but obviously four really, really, really good friends, right? These, this, this group, they're a part of a circle, right? They are a village to each other. Think about it, right? The story, This story in Mark chapter 2 never even happens if it wasn't for these four friends, right? I mean, this is not even recorded. And, and I, don't think, I don't think that these are just four dudes that happen to be just walking by, and they see this paralytic, and they're like, hey, Hey, man, I see that you're kind of down and out. Do you, do you want us to pick you up and take you to Jesus? I don't think that happens. Right? And I, I don't think that, that, that these guys just happen to to be walking by and they see this guy and say, Hey, hey, you know, we'll, we'll go to, to great lengths. We'll do whatever it takes to get you to... Right? Four dudes. What I'm saying is there's four dudes who they just met this guy. They're not going to do that, are they? I, I think that they were in a relationship. I think they were a part of a group. They were... They cared for each other. They, they loved each other. I don't think this group was together by chance. Right, they, didn't, they didn't come together by accident, but they chose to live in a community. They chose to be friends because they knew how valuable and how important it was. And what's interesting is that the Bible tells us that we are created for community. Did you know that? We are created for community. In Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, one chapter one verse twenty six, we see the creation account, and it says that God spoke everything into existence. Right? Isn't that amazing that God speaks everything into existence? Just the power of God—he speaks everything into existence, and it says that—that uh, that it says that, "Let us make man in our image." Notice God says, "Let us." Who is God speaking to? He's speaking to the Trinity, right? He's speaking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God have lived in perfect community, in perfect oneness from the very beginning. And since we are created in his image, we are also designed to live in community. Now, as you read through the creation account, you will see that each day God created, he always ends by saying it was good. So when was the first time that God said something wasn't good? Yeah, not when he created man, is that what he said? He said it's not alone, right. You clarify that. It's not when he, it's not he created man and said, man, this is not good. <laughs> I know what you're saying, man. I know what you're saying. Uh, he said it's not good for man to be alone. And listen, this is what I want you to know, man. Whether you are here this morning, you're an introvert and you're, or you're an extrovert or you're just socially awkward or you're just you know, all over the place, whatever it is, you were meant to live for community. We were created for that, right? But, 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 but what happens is, unfortunately, we, we oftentimes do very little to cultivate that desire for community within us. We tend to devote our, our, our time our, to, to busyness, right? We have full schedules. We have errands to run. We have to take the kids here, there, and everywhere. And our calendars get maxed out, right? And we neglect we neglect giving our most valuable possession, which is time, to the experience for which we were created, and that's community. And as a result, community has been to deteriorating in our Western world. I mean, how often do you hear people say things like, um, hey, man, we've got to get together sometime, right? And does that ever happen? know, yeah? or, or they'll say, uh, hey, we've got to do lunch in a few, th- well, we'll do lunch when things settle down in a few weeks. Do things ever settle down in a few weeks, right? And with the advancement of technology, right, which is a good thing. I mean, listen, technology is awesome. And with social media, we can give the appearance that we are connected. But in reality, those things are driving us further into isolation. Listen, social media, man, it, it can be a great tool. It can be a great resource. But social media can be dangerous. Because social media allows me to create this persona that really isn't true, right? It allows me to clean myself up. It doesn't take a lot of depth, right? I can post pictures of my kids laughing and smiling and put cool status uh, updates and say witty things and just talk about how awesome my life is, right? And people can look at those posts and think, man, that guy's really got it together, Right, but they don't see the behind the scenes. Right, that that my kids are going crazy and off the rail. That you know, it's just they don't see those things. And so we can kind of we can kind of keep people at a distance. We can kind of give this persona that we are connected when we're really not. Right, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we've become really good at putting up masks, putting on masks, and putting building up walls. Right, we'll pass each other and say, hey, how's it going? You doing all right? And what, what's our, what's our re- response? Oh, I'm doing great, yeah, excellent. Yeah, no, nobody's going to say, man, it's just I'm, I'm just, I'm beat down, man, I'm struggling. Right, no, nobody's going nobody's gonna to say that. Nobody's going to say that. This is, this is the thing. Um, and here's the truth about us, man. Right, we are just like this paralytic. We are all just like this paralytic. We all have brokenness. We all have imperfection. And it's called sin. And the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and, and sin, in its fundamental form, is antisocial. It's antisocial. This is why we, we shy away from community. Sin turns me inward. Sin causes Uh, shame and guilt to kind of invade our lives. And and that's what causes us to kind of put on that mask, right, and to build up those walls. We don't want people to get too close because here's the thing, man, if people knew the real Aaron, man, they wouldn't like me very much. That's what our thinking is. And so sin causes me. It's deceptive. Sin deceives. right? And so what we do is we build up these walls and we put up these masks and we hide these things from other people because we think, man, if they knew the real me, and the reality of it is, man, they're just as broken and jacked up as you are right? And we're trying to hide that. And we're trying to hide that. And so what we do is we believe that we can do life on our own. And listen to me, this is why the gospel, right? The fact that Jesus put on flesh and he came to this earth and paid the penalty for our sins is such good news. Because the gospel is the perfect balance of truth and love, right? The the gospel tells the hard truth. It's going to shoot you straight. It tells the hard truth about who you are, Right, It says that you are so messed up, that you are so wretched, that your heart is so dirty, that nothing short of Jesus Christ coming to this earth and dying for you will save you. No, nothing short of that will save you, right? But then it also is the most loving thing because what it says is, is that, that Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to come and die for you, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what the gospel is. It's, it's good news. And so there is nothing that could be exposed about you that Jesus hasn't already taken care of. Right? Listen to me. God is not surprised by your sin. He's not, like, shocked. He's not. And, and what I want to interject here, man, is this, man. I, I want us to be a church where, where we kind of have this culture where it's okay to not be okay. Right? I don't, I don't want us to be a church where we're just, we're faking it to make it, Right? I want us to be a church where we're, we're man, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm broken. I'm struggling. I want us to be a church that, that, that where it's okay to not be okay, where we, we know we are all broken, but we have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, and we are pursuing him together in community. Amen? All right, because, again, listen to me, sanctification is a process. And oftentimes what happens is, this is why we struggle with sanctification. This is why we struggle with this lifelong process, okay? Because what happens is, is that justification, when, we, when we're justified, the Bible says that, that we are given Christ's righteousness. You know what that means? It means that we are given Christ's perfect life. It is given to us. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see filthy, wretched, dirty heart sinner, but he sees his, he sees his son's blood. Right? He sees Jesus' righteousness. That's what that means. And that's it, justification. So then what happens is, is when we start to go through this process, right, and sin begins to deceive us, we 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 kind of trust in our own righteousness, right? We think, we think, well, I've got to now uh, I've gotta kinda of earn what I've been given. I've gotta earn my God's love and acceptance for me. And so what we do is we we feel like we have to put on a performance. And then what happens is, is when we fall short or when we uh you know keep going back to that one sin that we struggle with, or whatever it is that you're struggling with, then then we, we get down, right? We beat ourselves up, guilt and shame comes in, and we think we, we think, man, this must be how God feels about me. Right? Are you guys does that resonate with anybody, or am I the only one that feels that way? Okay. But but listen to me, this is why the gospel is good news. Listen. Jesus' righteousness is given to us a justification and it stays with us through sanctification. And so this, this is what we've got to learn. We don't have to revert back to trusting in our own righteousness. Don't think that you have it all together. Don't feel like that you've got to perform for God, right? You, we have to rest and lean on Jesus' righteousness through the whole process. And when we do that, Right? We're going to live a joy-filled life, right? When we, when we revert back to our own righteousness, listen, it robs us of our joy. When we realize that we can trust Jesus for his righteousness all the way through the process, man. We're, right? We, it, it, it motivates us. We want to pursue Christ, right? That's, what, that's what's so good about the gospel is that when I fall down, I don't have to stay there and wallow in my guilt and shame, but I can get back up and keep pursuing. Amen? Do we believe that? And so that's the good news of the gospel. This is what I I like about this story because this paralyzed man, listen, he can't hide, can he? He can't cover up what is going on with him. He can't fake it to make it. He's vulnerable. All he can do is lay there on his bed. His friends see him in his most vulnerable moments. They see him in his weakness. They see him at his worst. And his friends love him. And they care for him. That's community. They're going to do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. So I want you to imagine with me for a second that that Jesus is teaching in this room full of people. There's people that's packed out in his house and people were outside. And he is teaching. And as he's teaching, his mic starts to break in and out. That's what happened happened to me last week. If you were here at first service, that's what happened, right? That didn't happen to Jesus. They didn't have mics. But but as he's teaching, right, parts of the ceiling start to fall down, you know? And so, like, everybody's, like, looking up and, like, wondering what's going on. And all of a sudden, they see this hole that's being made. And then they see this guy that is being lowered down on a bed through the roof. And I love the, the text that says that, that, that when Jesus saw their faith. Now, what's interesting is, is that when usually you, you see healing stories, uh, Jesus s- speaks of the, the person's faith, right? The, the one is asking for themselves or, or for a child. But here, Jesus says he saw their faith, the faith of the man's friends. And so what do you think Jesus saw when he looked up and he saw his four friends? He saw four guys. They were probably exhausted, right? I mean, they are carrying this guy, and then they got to get up on the roof. And they're, they're, they're sweaty. Sweat's dripping off their face. But Jesus sees four guys that are willing to carry this man's burdens. He sees four friends that are willing to to put their friend's needs before theirs. He sees four friends that will do whatever it takes to get their friend to Jesus. And that's what community is about, right? We stir one another on. We encourage each other. We, We keep pursuing Jesus together, right? We grow in our love for each other because God loved us first. And we know that God went to great lengths to save us. You know, the apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter six, verse two, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So if a brother or sister is being weighted down, right, you see this, what he's saying there is, man, you, you go over and you, you help them. You, you, you lift them up. Don't let them be crushed. But here's the thing, man. If you're going through a difficult time in your life, then you've got to be honest. You've got you to let people know, right? Because we're not mind readers. We're not Jesus. We can't, we can't, read, we can't read people's hearts like he can. So that, that's a part of community, man. We've got to help each other up. Don't be crushed. Don't be destroyed. Uh, There's a a Swedish motto that that goes like this. It says, shared joy is double joy, and shared sorrow is half sorrow. Isn't that awesome? Right? So just to give you an example of this in our own church, man, I got permission to share this story. Um, And and some of you may not know who this is, but Jenny and Chris Higgins, uh, who, by the way, if you don't know already, just had their, their baby Paisley. She was born, I think it was last Sunday, correct? And so we just praise God, and and everything is looking good with her. But just so you know a little bit about the background, um, as she was going through the pregnancy, they found out that uh, Paisley had spina bifida. And so they weren't sure of what all that meant, and so they they were just kind of uh, wrestling through that. And she ended up going up to Baltimore to a hospital, and they performed a surgery while she was in the womb. And it was just a, a, a crazy thing. But she's had to stay up in Baltimore for a few months. And so Chris has been here during the week with their other son, Luke. And it's been a difficult time for them. But I, I just got to give you guys props, man. Because so many of you have done what this, pat, you know, carrying other people's burdens. Because of what God has done for you, you are now doing for others. And that's what we've got to do, right? We have stepped in and we have... Helped carry the burden for this family. You know, some of you have had Chris over for dinner. Some of you have uh, gone out with Chris. And, uh, but, but what's been amazing is is that some of you have actually gone up to Baltimore to stay with Jenny for a week at a time. And what's amazing about that is some of you really didn't even know her that well. You see what I'm saying? That, 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 that touches me right there. That's awesome, and that's what we've got to do. That's, that's what community does. And so, that's just a beautiful thing. So, Jesus looks at this man, and I love this. He says, your sins are forgiven. Now, if you are this paralytic at this point, right, you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, Jesus, I don't know if you noticed or not, but my friends lowered me down here on a bed, and I can't move. So, I really didn't, I didn't really come here to, to hear about my sins, right? I want to be able to get up and walk, I mean, nobody wants to talk about their sins. It's kind of uncomfortable, right? But that's the beautiful thing about living in community with Jesus in the center of it, right? As, As you are studying the Word together, as you are praying together, as you are going through life together, you will be growing together, and these issues, these sin issues, will begin to kind of come up, right? The Holy Spirit will convict you, and you'll begin to see things in your life that only can be drawn out through living in community, that you'll be like, okay, I need to work on that. Yeah, I, I, okay, I struggle with that, absolutely. Like, like for instance, okay? And I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, we, we all have blind spots, right? We all have areas in our life that we can't see. And so I may think to myself, I may say, you know, I, I am the most selfless person there is. And when I'm by myself, I am, right? <laughs> I am the most, <laughs> absolutely. I, I'm the most selfless person there is. But listen, when I am with other human beings and I don't always get my way or what I want or I get frustrated, right? I find out pretty quick that I'm not the most selfless person, right? That's what living in community does. Or, or when I'm alone, I can convince myself, man, that I am a very compassionate and loving person, man. When I watch Lifetime movies, I get touched and move and I cry, right? I can convince myself of that. But when I am with real human beings, right? And when I realize that I have to expend energy and sacrifice time and uncomfortable to practice compassion, it turns out that I'm really not as compassionate as I thought it was. Right? And that's what living in community does. Right? It exposes those blind spots in your life that you're just not aware of, that you don't see. Author Jean Veneer, she writes this. She said, community is a place where our limitations, our fears, and our egoisms are revealed to us. While we are alone, we could believe we loved everyone. Now that we are with others, living with them all the time, we realize how incapable we are of loving, how much we deny to others, and how closed in on ourselves we are. This is why we pursue Jesus together. We need Jesus. And, I, and so I've asked a couple of, of folks to, uh, to come up and just share real briefly. Uh, come on up here, Kathy. Just a, a testimony uh, about what small group uh, means to them and how it's helped them grow. And so Kathy is—you can yeah, absolutely use this mic right here. Yep. So Kathy is in Mary Young's small group. Mary Young is here. Mary, raise your hand. Mary, Mary is awesome. Uh, and so she leads a small group, and they meet on Wednesday nights. And you've been going to this small group for how long? Um, I think probably this
1: small group for two years, two or three years. Okay. I've been in small into this church. Yeah. So, about seven years. Oh, I should talk Yeah, about
0: there, you it. <laughs> <laughs> about there you go. For about seven years.
1: Um, but, and, you know, I had to try a few different ones. Uh, different seasons in my life, you know, things have changed and I need different things. Um, I said I wasn't going to write anything down, but I did. And it's really odd that I did because I think Aaron pretty much said the first whole paragraph that I wrote. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what I wrote. Um, <laughs> so, I'll just tell you. Um, I am actually very shy and uh, socially awkward, which I know shocks you, uh, because I look so confident up here right now. (laughs) Um, But uh, being part of a small group has really helped me connect. Um, It would be super easy for me to sit. I usually sit right behind the Hesters at the 830 service, and I'm very introverted. Um, But even the most introverted people, like me, do have that innate desire to connect with other people. Um, and uh, do community together. And I knew that's not what God wanted for me, but it would be very easy for me just to sit behind the Hesters and that's probably the only people I would know, because they always sit there too um, at the 830 service, and so um, creature of habit, I love it. Um, but I am a part of Mary's group right now. and um, we're an interesting group of women, I would say. Um, we've pretty diverse backgrounds and upbringings. And I think everybody kind of brings something unique to it. Um, We have this lady, Debbie, who doesn't actually go to our church anymore, but she still comes to our small group, and uh, she's our reader, and she's always bringing new studies for us. Hey, I found this study, and I thought it would be kind of cool. We should do this. Um, I'm just in awe of how much Debbie reads, and um, Amy brings our comic relief. She just cracks me up all day long. We have a new lady that's been coming um, for a few months, Deb, and she's new to our church as well, and she tends to kind of bring up social issues that nobody wants to talk about, um, but she brings them up and kind of makes us think about, well, how does the Bible apply to things like politics that we don't want to talk about and homosexuality and things that we, like, we don't want to talk about that, but she brings these things up, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I guess we should think about that, and, you know, how should we act in those situations. Um, Sharon's our social butterfly and she's always making sure that we do fun activities too, um, outside of just our weekly small group. Uh, So we actually are together a lot and we love each other and pray for each other. Mary is our voice of reason um, and wisdom and she acts like she's our mother, but we think of her as our big sister. Um, And I guess I just provide sarcasm. I'm really not sure what I bring to the group, but I'm there too. Um, So I don't know. With these women, I just, um, it lets me vent the craziness of my week. um, And they listen to me ramble like I'm doing now, even though I wrote stuff down. Not really following it. Um, But we do support and encourage each other in a way like I've not experienced um, before. So, I would just say if you haven't made a connection, um, get out of your comfort zone and out of your introverted self and try to meet some new folks.
0: Amen. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. So I, I'll share uh, Royal Peters, uh, you may not know Royal Peters, he's actually in the back right now teaching uh, with Trent, our middle school and high school students, and Royal has a cool story about uh, a guy named Jerry Hinkton, and if you don't know Jerry Hinkton, he attended our church uh, for about a year and a half, maybe two years, and um, was really involved in the church and grew tremendously over that period of time. Uh, but but his story is really cool. He's actually moved back to, to Phoenix now, Arizona, where his family is. He was just up here for a job. And so, but he first moved up here, man, Jerry was in a very bad spot. And he worked with Royal. And uh, for the first several weeks of working together, he said, uh, he shared that him and Royal would just kind of pass each other, but nothing was really said. And, um, and I, I guess it was just kind of the Holy Spirit thing that kind of drew them together. But, but Royal had actually been praying, saying, God, give me the boldness, give me the courage to reach out to people and encourage them or, or whatever. Just put people in my path. Well, Jerry was in his path. And so they began to talk at work, and it's, it, it very quickly uh, grew and developed into this, this relationship where they were meeting together uh, on, on a frequent basis. And they told me, they shared with me that the conversations that they were having with each other actually got deep really quick. Now, I know that's hard for a lot of us. Like, we don't want to go too deep with people, right? We don't want them to know these things about us, right? We talked about that already. But we said that the gospel sets us free from that. And so Jerry just opens up and he says, man, I'm just broken. This is what's going on. I'm struggling here. And what's amazing is, is that when he opened up, Royal then began to open up and say, you know what, Jerry? Jerry? I'm struggling with a lot of the same issues. <laughs> you see what happens, you know, when we're not afraid to open up and we're vulnerable and we trust, you know? And so, so they, they began to work through these things. And then Jerry started attending Royal's small group. And then, like, I just Jerry just exploded in growth. Man, this dude was growing like wildfire. And what's amazing is, is that during that time that he was growing, he was ministering back home to his wife and kids. And now they are plugged into a church in Arizona. And she got baptized just a couple months ago because of what God is doing in his life. And so you just see how things like that happen. That's, that's, that's in community. That's growing in community. And that's what we're talking about this morning. So I would just encourage you, as Kathy's already mentioned, man, if you're not connected into a small group, you can, you can become a part of one. You can fill out that card that's in your bulletin. You can put it in the offering plate, and we'll sit down, and we'll talk about what's best for you. If you're interested in starting a group, we would love to help you with that, right? We won't just throw you out there by yourself on an island. We'll, we'll walk you through that, and we'll help you, and we'll show you how that, how that works out. Now, uh, as, as we close out today, as we prepare to, to respond to what we've talked about, uh, it's interesting that, that in this story, there is another group of people, and they are referred to as the religious leaders and, and the experts in the law. And so the, these are the folks that just constantly were just giving Jesus a hard time in his ministry. And, and they were all about, uh, they, they were the ones who just, Jesus said, they, they constantly put burdens on other people. Right? They, they, didn't, they didn't go and help carry burdens, they were putting burdens on other people. And so they, they, they were supposed to be the, the, the spiritually elite guys, right? They were the varsity level kind of Christians. And in the passage, when you read the story, their reactions, right? They look at Jesus and they're like, you can't do this, right? And Jesus knows what, what they're thinking in their hearts. But here's the thing about the story, right? Jesus looks at this group of religious leaders, the ones who are supposed to get it, right? The ones who should have known who Jesus was. And they're sitting in a crowd and they have nobody to bring to Jesus, do they? They don't have anybody, they don't know anybody that's going through a tough time. They don't know anybody that's sick or hurting. They're not bringing anybody to Jesus, but Jesus sees these four guys who know that they've got to get their friend to Jesus. And so they're going to do whatever it takes to get there. That's what living in community is about. Listen, every single one of us need community. We need each other because we need to grow to become more like Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for passages like this. Um, God, I just thank you for uh, your love for us. And it can be challenging sometimes, but God, I just pray that you will just uh, help us to just overcome our fears. God, help us to believe in the gospel. Help us to know that we've been set free and that we don't have to worry about what other people are thinking uh, because we know what you think and that you love us. God, help us to not uh, want to run and hide and, and live in isolation. God, help us to want to live in a community so we may grow and become more like, more like you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.